0: Hey folks, Pastor Smee here really quick with you. Just wanted to pass on a word of thanks to you as we begin this new year for all of your support over these past couple of years as we've been doing daily podcasts, trying to bring you the Word of God each day in little snippets. We're going to be stepping away from that just a bit with this new year, doing more maybe weekly or, or a couple of days a week uh, instead of doing the daily because we've got a lot more things going on with the churches opening up more as well as some other podcasts that we're looking to start here uh, as the, the weeks and months move ahead. So continue to subscribe and, and share uh, what you find either with the podcast or over on our YouTube channel. Uh, But with that, uh, thank you so much for listening, and let's go ahead and get started. Father in heaven, baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan you proclaimed him your beloved son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit make all who are baptized into Christ faithful in their calling to be your children and inheritors with him of everlasting life through your son Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit one God now and forever amen Well, that's the prayer for the baptism of our Lord out of our our Greek, our Greek, our green, (laughs) could be Greek, our green hymnal. And uh, the baptism of our Lord Sunday is somewhat new for us in the Lutheran Church, new in the sense of uh, less than 50 years old, I believe, as far as something that we would celebrate regularly. If you go to our old uh, service book and hymnal, it's not in there as a particular day that you would celebrate, uh, a particular Sunday, but it's normally our tradition in uh, in the Epiphany season, an Epiphany Tide, after uh, The Epiphany of Our Lord on January 6th, uh, which is coming up this week. We'll have a special podcast for that. Um, That first Sunday, you celebrate the baptism of our Lord. And it's an interesting thing because it's sort of like After Christmas, we kind of go light speed, or we should be going light speed anyways, because uh, we just have a few weeks, and then we enter Lent. Just a couple of months, then we enter Lent, and then we're at the cross. And then uh, from the cross to Pentecost, we're sort of light speed going through the life of Christ from when he's resurrected to when he's ascended into heaven, and the Spirit comes. And then we have sort of this lull after Holy Trinity Sunday, as we as we make our way through the summer and the fall, and then it's sort of light speed again. It's kind of like uh, we have uh, the Gospel of Mark from the beginning of Advent to Pentecost, and then it's sort of just waiting. Right? Well, the baptism of our Lord, we we kind of go light speed from where he's he's uh, Christ. Uh, we're waiting for Christ to come in Advent. He he comes at Christmas. And then we have the celebration of the circumcision, uh, the name of Jesus, the feast of the name of Jesus on January 1st. And then we have the epiphany, which normally is the wise men coming. Uh, if you're in the Eastern Church, though, this day, the baptism of our Lord, is actually the day in which is epiphany in the sense of uh, they, they see the epiphany as him being declared as the Son of God at his baptism, not with the wise men coming and, and giving their gifts. Uh, but in the Western Church, that's what it is for us. And, and so we kind of go light speed from him being circumcised and given his name and, and, and the power of that name Jesus saves, up to his baptism, where suddenly it's the inauguration of his time to start doing what he needs to do. John the Baptist's time has ended, he's prepared the way of the Lord, and now Christ is to do his work. And then we see, uh, normally, traditionally, especially since we're doing the one-year lectionary, this year, we work our way through all these epiphanies of Christ, all these Christophanies, all these times in which uh, he's depicted as who he is for us. Uh, whether it be the wedding of Cana, its transfiguration, whatever. And then we get into uh, Jessima tide, Septuagesima, the, the three Sundays before Lent starts, in which we're sort of given some grace, we're sort of given a reprieve, we're sort of uh, offered up the, the essential three Sundays that we would need, that any good Lutheran or, or Protestant would need before we enter into Lent, which is that time in which we sort of beat ourselves up, and remind ourselves of our sin, so that when Good Friday and Easter comes, they're even more glorious. And so that's what we'll be uh, looking at over these next uh, few weeks. We're going to be doing one podcast a week, unless there's a special feast day, and then we'll do more. But we'll basically just take the time to hear the readings, and I'll maybe comment a little bit on them, and we'll have a a prayer uh, of the day to begin and close each Podcast. Uh, But so for today, we're taking this week, we're taking a look at our readings for this coming Sunday. Our first reading comes from Isaiah chapter 42. This is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed. He will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. He will not grow weak or be discouraged until he has established justice on earth. The coasts and the and islands will wait for his instruction. This is what God the Lord says, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I am the Lord. I have called you for a righteous purpose and I will hold you up by your hand. I will watch over you and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations in order to open blind eyes to bring out prisoners from the dungeons and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a glorious collection of all these promises that come from Christ, right? This sort of declarative statement of quite possibly what started at his baptism. in in which the Spirit descends upon him like a dove, correct? And he's declared as this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this is the one that we speak of here then, who is going to bring justice to the nations or righteousness Uh, that he's not gonna break a bruised reed, meaning that you're crushed by your sin. You're you're, you're bruised by the world and Christ comes with grace, not with a, a, a gavel to beat you over the head with. Uh, he, he, that he's not going to put out a smoldering wick. A smoldering wick is almost already out anyways. Instead, he's going to send this fire of his Spirit upon you. He will faithfully bring justice. He will not grow weak or be discouraged. He'll continue to do this thing for you. This is what God the Lord says. I am the Lord. I have called you for a righteous purpose. Called you for a righteous purpose, he says to Christ that you are going to do a particular work and I will hold you by your hand, I will watch over you and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the nations. This light shining in the darkness that the darkness cannot overcome, that's our Jesus, where he's gonna to come to open our eyes, to bring us out of the prison of our sins and, to, and, and those sitting in darkness from the prison house to, to grant us release and freedom. That is what Christ is to bring us. Well, our next reading comes from Psalm 85. Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave your people's guilt. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your fury. You turned from your burning anger. Return to us, God of our salvation, and abandon your displeasure with us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger for all generations? Will you re- not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your faithful love, Lord, and give us your salvation. I will listen to what God will say, Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people, his faithful ones, and not let them go back to foolish ways. His salvation is very near, those who fear him, so that the glory may dwell in our land. Faithful love and truth will join together, righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring up from the earth, and righteousness will look down from heaven. Also, the Lord will provide what is good, and our land will yield its crops. Righteousness will go before him to prepare the way for his steps. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 85. What a beautiful prayer that we could have here for what it is that God has done in Christ for us and is going to continue to do. Lord, you showed favor to your land. You you offered grace. You offered up gift. You forgave your people's guilt. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your fury. You turned from your burning anger. That This amazing grace that he offers to us regularly, that it is that we look somewhere else for promises and for glory and for grandeur and for righteousness, and yet God sits here and goes, no, I'm the only thing you have. Here, take. I'm giving it to you. And we say, no, I'm going to earn it somewhere, or I'm going to find it somewhere else. I don't like what you have to give me, Lord, I'm going to find something else. And then we ask that God would return to us. And then I love verse 6, will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? That's the glory of baptism for us as Lutherans that we see in our baptism that we've been buried with Christ, we're put to death, and we're raised to new life. And so that when we do it with babies, we realize uh, that it's God working. It's not our working. It's not our own choice. It's not our own faith doing something. It's God doing a work upon us, which he regularly has to do. That's why new birth is a big deal. That's why being born again, you don't have the choice of when you're going to be born. God creates you. And you come into the world in God's timing, and so too it is with the new birth in Christ. And so we receive from Him that life, that He might come and revive us again. And so, for us as Lutherans, we're reminded that every day has to be a baptism for us, another death and resurrection, because every day we sin, every day we get torn away by our own desires. Uh, the the depths of failure in the world, the sins of others, despair, depression, uh, our own pride, all, all sorts of things. And we need to have those things put to death. But then also the promise that we hold on to is the fact that it's already happened to us in our baptism, that we cling to that promise that God has already put us to death and we're raised to new life in Christ, that we are his. Without anything that we have done, we have been made his, that we have been made right, that we are righteous in the sight of God, regardless of our sins, regardless of how much work we put into it. So we might rest in that, that we might be revived. And that's all because of his faithful love and his truth, that he walks with us in that faithful love forever. Well, our second reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing, what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. says, the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Uh, It's a beautiful text, verses 26 through 31, out of of 1 Corinthians, because it goes back to what we were talking about with Psalm 85 and elsewhere, uh, especially dealing with our own baptism hear that it says that God takes the foolish things and he does the work, that we're not allowed to have anything. We're not allowed to show up with some sort of resume and say, oh, this is why I should be allowed into heaven. This is why I should be able to do these things. It, 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 It never fails as a pastor that I go to a funeral and people will tell me, oh, they were such a good person. Oh, they did this. And they did that, and they did all these things. And I always want to say, and I've shared this with you before, I've always want to say, no, they have a good Jesus. They have a good Jesus. God likes those things, but he doesn't care about those things when it comes to Christ, when it comes to our redemption, when it comes to our salvation and heaven and all those things, he doesn't care. Instead, God uses the things that mean nothing. He uses a little water and a little word to make you his child. He uses a a wafer that can barely be considered bread and some bad wine to offer you himself, his body and his blood, broken and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins, that you might be reminded that you are a sinner and yet be reminded that you have a great savior. He uses these little things so that you realize that, uh, as as Paul writes here, uh, that your righteousness, Your sanctification, your holification, your your being set apart, your perfection, uh, and your redemption are not yours. They're Christ's, and he gives them to you. He offers it up to you. It's not something that you do. It's something that he does for you, so that you're not allowed to boast in yourself. You're not allowed to boast in your abilities or your works. Instead, you boast only in the Lord and what it is that he has done. That's the stuff that we hold on to. That's why baptism is important. That's why the gospel is important. That's that's why regularly hearing it is essential because we will get dragged down by this feeling of necessity to do all sorts of junk for Jesus. All sorts of things. I, I just saw it on Facebook this morning. Oh, this epiphany, give your best to God. It said, give whatever you can to God. No, you don't give anything to God. It's already God's. He already has control over it. It's already already His. He gave it to you. No, instead, you receive from Him. He gives to you and you take it freely. and You bask in it and you rest in it like good Sabbath keepers having a Sabbath rest in Him instead of worrying about what it is that we're going to do on oh, these New Year's resolutions and, and whatever else the case might be of how we think that we are going to uh, make ourselves worthy of God. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, but John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. Jesus answered him, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. This is Matthew chapter 3. And and uh, Jesus' baptism, the, the account of his baptism, is one of the few things that we have apart from the Passion narrative that uh, exists in every single one of the Gospels in a different way, in different places. Uh, Matthew's is not very long. Uh, Mark's, I believe, is even shorter. Luke's is even shorter, I believe. Uh, John's is a lot longer, but it's given in a different way. Uh, But here we have Matthew. The the reason um, that that i think the the one-year lectionary puts matthew here uh, in part is because matthew tends to have prominence within the the christian church Um, it's the first gospel in the sense that it's first in the order Uh, it was often the most quoted gospel by a large percentage of the church fathers uh, in their writings and so it gets some prominence there but here we have basically just the quickest rendition of what it is. John was baptizing in, in the Jordan. He was out in the wilderness baptizing, a, baptize, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And here we have Jesus coming to that water, to that baptism. And John does the thing he should do. I need to be baptized by you, cousin. And you you come to me. And Jesus says, no, this is to fulfill all righteousness. How? Well, Jesus shows up to a baptism that's for the repentance, for the forgiveness of sins, to turn towards God. And here Jesus is saying, I'm turning towards God, to what it is that God has called me to do. My Father has called me for a particular purpose, a particular purpose of righteousness. And it's there that we have Jesus even submitting to this particular preparation, submitting to, just as he submits to death, submitting to this act of of great humiliation, where you would strip down and go down into water that was not very clean, maybe dunked under and brought back up or poured over, who knows. And Jesus comes out of the water and the spirit descends on him as a dove. And there's so many commentators who do so many different things. They talk about how Jesus there is identifying with sinners, how Jesus is 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 going there to, uh, to prepare, you know, see the completion of John's work, um, how how Jesus is entering into that water, and he's actually soaking up all the sins of the world. He's, he's becoming a sinner, is, is how I believe Dr. Paulson would say, that he becomes a sinner for us, just as uh, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that he became sin for us. Uh, here, J- uh, Jesus is doing that in this way. But the most important statement that we have for us to hold on to is that statement by God, this voice from heaven, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It is here that the Eastern Church would say, no, this is the epiphany. This is the declaration of who Jesus is. Uh, The the child in the the house in in Bethlehem that the three kings come to, yes, the Gentiles bow down. It's this declaration that he is the Lord of all, that he's the savior of the world, that he's not just the Jewish Messiah. But here we have this declaration of him being the beloved son in whom he is well pleased. And that is what happens in your baptism. That is what happens in what God does. That God says, I'm pleased with you. You get baptized, you get put in the water. I'm pleased with you. That is God's cry over you. That is the gospel. That is what God uh, showers upon you in his spirit in which we spend much of our life trying to make ourselves pleasing to God. And yet it is in our baptism, in something silly and foolish, as Paul calls it, that God says, No, in this I am pleased with you, because your trust is being placed not in yourself, but what it is that I will do for you, what I've done for you in Christ. Here we have Christ being baptized to inaugurate this new universe, this new future, that is coming, in which God is pleased with you, not on account of you selling all you have to give to the poor, not on account of how clean your hands are, not on account of whether you sinned yesterday or not. But he's pleased with you because you are trusting that his promise is true. That when he says that I forgive you all your sins, he means it. And that when he says I go to prepare a place for you, he means that too. Let us pray. Father in heaven, at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan, you proclaimed him your beloved Son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Make all who are baptized into Christ faithful in their calling to be your children and inheritors with him for everlasting life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, go in peace, serve the Lord, and we will see you on Thursday.